What's happening, gang? It's me, Steve Bazalone. I'm your host. Welcome to another episode of Terribly Funny. And this is the podcast where, you know, I talk to funny people about some sad or hard or, you know, life-affirming moments that have happened to them. Um, today, we have uh, a great guest. He is um, one of my oldest and dearest friends and just one of my favorite people in general. His name is Eric Hutchinson. He is uh, a wildly, wildly talented uh, musician. Um, if you're not familiar with his work, please get hip to it because he's just great. He, you can go on iTunes. You can look at. He's got albums. Uh, some of the hits sound like sounds like this is a great album. Moving up, living down, also great. Pure Fiction that came out like two years ago. Uh, please listen to all these things because he's really talented and um, he's got a new album coming out in like a month. So you want to be prepared for that, right? Of course you do. Um, what else can I say about Eric? Oh, I can say that I uh, I am probably I owe him a, gra- a debt of gratitude. Because uh, he's probably wild, pretty responsible for me being a comedy writer. When I was an incoming freshman to Emerson College, he had just started a comedy troupe. I auditioned for said comedy troupe, got in, and uh, very quickly realized that, oh, this, this is fun. And I'm better at this than I am most other things. So, you know, I owe Eric, because I don't really have any of their marketable skills. Um, that's about it. That's enough. That's a, that's a pretty good intro for that guy, right? I think so. Uh, let's see what he has to say about, you know, recognizing um, our own vulnerability. That sounds fun, huh? <sighs> Theme music, please. I was thinking a lot about it in terms of, well, I had this whole epiphany in, in Paris. Sure. As, as people are wont to do. In my, in my UK I believe, shows. isn't that a Jimmy Buffett song? Yeah. yeah. Tiffany in Paris? Well, he went to Paris searching for answers, right? I don't know any Jimmy Buffett songs. Yeah, it is. It's a Jimmy Buffett song. Which one? Cheeseburgers in Paradise? That's another one, but there's a song called He Went to Paris, I believe. Hmm. He went to Paris searching for answers to questions that bothered him so. Things like that, you know. Are you a closet parrot head? Uh... I know a lot of Jimmy Buffett just because I was raised on it. Really? Your dad's I mean, my dad was my, Yeah, there was a period of time. It was just like good party music. But I remember he would always fast forward through, because uh, I'm Jimmy Buffett's greatest hits. Mm-hmm. He would always, I never realized what he was doing, but he'd always fast forward through the, why don't we get drunk and screw? I had never heard that song until I was like 11 or 12. I was like, what is this Jimmy Buffett gem that I've missed? <laughs> why is nobody talking about this one? Oh, it's on the greatest hits. I've just been shielded from it. Right. Yeah. Didn't know about Why Don't We Do It in the Road by the Beatles. I knew that one. Huh. But I don't know. I think the, the drunkenness and the actual screwing. Yeah. Doing it in the road could do a lot of, being a lot of things. That could be anything. Abbey Road. They're walking across that road. That's doing true. something. That was, the, that was the visual of that song. That was like the first music video. So there you go. We're learning so many things. So what, did, what was your epiphany in Paris? Uh, I was thinking a lot about just, um, I put a lot of pressure on myself and on my shows in America. I'm, you know, I'm used to doing certain things. I'm used to a certain amount of people coming, and I, I take it personally if you know, not enough people come to a show or if the show goes differently than I was expecting. But when I was playing in Europe, I was just traveling around by myself. I didn't have a tour manager. I was just setting everything up on my own, and it was very like refreshing and I was just happy to be there and I was happy to do a show and I was happy to be like 30 people showed up to see me in Dublin I was just like excited about it and I was I don't know I've just been wondering if I can sort of use that and translate it to my shows here just to be able to enjoy it more did it feel like a throwback or is it like a nice reminder of like where you've come from 
A little bit of both. It definitely reminded me of like my earliest days playing in America and like getting there and wanting people to show up and being excited with any kind of progress. But sure. I feel like now the difference being like I would put a lot of I was putting more pressure on myself back then, like when I was first starting, and it was a lot like I had to see specific results or I was going to be frustrated. Well, yeah, because that's you're young and you're like trying to turn it into a career and if it's not going that way and you're like oh man yeah now what do i do because i can't do much else yeah i'm just finding the more and more i do it i just feel like uh how do i say this like um the same things are going to happen no matter what i mean because i mean i'm a driven person like you and like mm-hmm. I, I work and I, when i want to do something i'll try and do it but i find like I don't know. I, I'm not sure what the percentage of time that I actually affect the outcome of whether something comes together or not, you know? And, right. and a lot of the time I just end up uh, stressing myself out about it instead. Like, Well, that's interesting. I was talking to um, our mutual friend, Annie, Annie Mevin, the other, the other day, and she was talking about like the last like, six months she kind of had like something of, a, of an epiphany that like, oh, I can't like always use magical thinking to kind of if I just think about good things, good things will happen. That's not a reality. But like I was, I was kind of saying that I think maybe that's not entirely true, but you can, you know, opportunity uh, favors the prepared mind, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so you can like do everything to put yourself in those good positions. Like you wouldn't be here if you hadn't done all the things to get to where you are. Right. But yes, I mean, who knows like you had a, a a big like one of your songs was a big hit in Australia like yeah. what did you did not I mean that you couldn't control that couldn't control that and there's no reason why that couldn't have been the same thing for like a sitcom here yeah a lot of it's just timing and I don't know um, before I used to be like oh this didn't work out I'm crushed and now I'm just like that didn't work out recalibrating let's move a little bit to the right let's move a little bit to the left let's figure out a hole let's just keep going and um, I don't know. I'm just not as upset about... Well, I was thinking a lot about, like... I don't feel like most people I know really use the word failure that much that are successful. Like, it's not like, oh, this was a massive failure. Not, right. It's not really how... I don't, I don't hear people use that that much. Well, I think it's rare that it feels that quantitative. You know what I mean? Like, I've done things that have not been successful or I haven't finished, but they don't feel like failure. It's just like, well, that didn't work the way I thought it was going you to. You're like, what's a major failure? What was that? Uh, John Mars? Is that that movie was called? Yeah, that was a big, big old flop. Like that's John that Carter f- of Mars. Carter. Yeah. yeah. Was that? Yeah. But that's a failure, though. I mean, I mean, you know, they if made a movie. They made a movie. It was that, a box office failure. Yes, it was a flop, as they say. So, tell me about some tough stuff. Is it artistic? Artistic <laughs> bents. Um, well, I was thinking, uh, for you listeners at home mm-hmm. who don't know, Steve and I went to college together, and yeah. we met in college, and we lived together in college, and then when we moved out to L.A., we lived together in L.A., mm-hmm. and um, that was sort of a period I was thinking a lot about getting ready to talk to you, of just sort of uh, my early 20s, yeah. and um, first starting to I don't know. I've just thought about it a lot. I've tried to give other people advice about that. I just feel like I wish someone had sat me down and been like, I wish you could just, I mean, I just, what would they say? Like, uh, just have fun for a little while. You don't have to be a super successful. Yeah. It's just enjoy a year or something. Just be young, figure out what you want to do. Instead, I felt like in a good way, all of our friends were really driven. We all showed up to LA. There was like 
I don't know, 40 people, all of our friends or something, mm-hmm. like no exaggeration, 40 people. And um, everyone just wanted to like make it happen and be successful. And um, I just remember feeling so like uh, left out. And I mean, I was referred to as Eeyore during that time period. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. Um, well, I think the thing about it is, is like even if, even if somebody would have sat me down during that period, uh, I don't think I don't know how much you would I would have heeded their advice if they would have said like just be patient and relax and enjoy the the lack of responsibility right now, because the other side of that is like you're have no money, yep. <laughs> so you can't be that relaxed and you can't enjoy it that much because you don't have like the months to do the funds to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like when somebody says that to you, like, whatever, you don't get it. Like I'm yep. different than you. Totally. I am. And it's like, it's not a moralizing, but it's like a little bit like I, I am, I feel, I feel special unto myself. So I'm going to do things differently than you did. I remember being young and being like, look, old timer in my mm-hmm. head, you know, like, I'm sorry things didn't work out for you, yep. but I'm going to win the Oscar or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's the great cosmic joke, right? You learn so much as you get older, and and nobody wants to listen to it. The young, yeah. young people don't care. Um, but I remember, like, it was you and me and, and Todd Strauss Schulzen, the uh, acclaimed Tim, Tim Strom Shaman, yeah, acclaimed director. Hashtag Final Girls. Final Girls available on Blu-ray now, or probably, yeah, yeah. I think he's still working on screening, so it's going around <laughs> somewhere. Um, we were all living together in L.A., and I just remember, like, oh, man, I've got, like, a journal I was keeping at the time. It's, like, really, oh, man. really depressing. It's going to be juicy. It was, like, I'm up at 9 a.m., already finished everything I had to do today. Oh. <laughs> I didn't own a computer at the time, so I was borrowing Todd's, and I had to wait for him to, like, get out of his room. Well, we were both in the same position. I didn't have a computer, so we would both just be like waiting and sometimes we would like wait till like because he was I think he was going through a, a tough period where he slept in a ton yes I think he was like post breakup was kind of moderately depressed I don't maybe that's projecting but it felt that way mm-hmm. uh, so we would like wait and finally like 11 and be like well fuck it we just have to go in his room and use his computer because it was a desktop it was a desktop and he and loved he, that when we and he wanted to use the computer too yeah that so makes sense. you had to like time it in that time between when he woke up and then went and took a shower and mm-hmm. then came back and wanted to use the computer. So you had like maybe 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And then like <clears throat> I would have to, at some point when he would, I don't know, get on a phone call and I would scurry in there. Or I was driving a lot to the Oakwoods, mm-hmm. which is in Burbank, which is like a 30 minute drive just to use their computer lab. I'd walk over to the Apple store, which oh, was like 15 smart. minutes, and I'd use it there, and then I'd yeah. have to like walk around for a while and wait for the people to email me back, and uh, oh, Jesus Christ. it was dark. <laughs> it was dark. Before smartphones. I also remember, like, I would, similarly, when having everything done by nine, I would make, like, daily checklists, just so I felt like I was doing things. Yeah. But, like, I think, yeah, I, they were, like, so nonsensical, like, it would be, like, laundry, uh, eat breakfast. <laughs> Like, I think at one, I started putting, like, make checklist. Like, Padding just, the list a little. Yeah, just to, like, so I could feel like I was accomplishing anything. Right. Well, that's really, I remember the feeling of just wanting to accomplish something, and my mm-hmm. wheels were just spinning, and like you said, not having any money, that it felt like um, we could actually do anything or have fun, so I wasn't really going out. Nope. I was in a relationship at the time, and I would just wait around for her to come home from work, mm-hmm. and uh, I was pretty much just, like an out-of-work 50-year-old 
waiting around for my wife to come home so she could make dinner and then we'd watch law and order reruns i'd oh be in boy. bed by like 10 you were always asleep so early well i still go to sleep early but yeah, yeah there's nice. nothing also like there was nothing else to do so I was yeah like, i would redo it i would do it differently now if i could well that makes sense i mean i would do some things differently but i don't know what they would be necessarily I think I would just, I think a lot of times I would have taken uh, more advantage of like traveling because I think a lot of times I felt like tethered, like I can't leave because <clears throat> something could happen. Shit never happened. And if it did, it was not that big of it. It wasn't life changing. I don't know if anyone's ever been like, I traveled too much. Yeah, Maybe that's... if you've got kids or something and you don't see them, but. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's on their deathbed. I don't like, think any young I person. I shouldn't have gone to Egypt. Ugh. Except maybe if there was the, you know. The spring, uh, sure. The Arab Spring. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe you don't want to go then. That's solid. That just, that just. But I don't think sense. you're like on your deathbed. I shouldn't have taken that trip to Japan in yeah. the summer of 2022. Unless you had like a, you know a run-in with the yakuza or something. But otherwise, yeah. But that was going to happen anyway. Yeah, that's fair. The way um, you roll. But I, I learned this recently because I remember when we lived together. I just remember getting up and just feeling like worthless and tired and depressed and like i was like man steve has got it together he's out there i don't know where he goes all day but he's mm -hmm. busy and he's got stuff going on and he's going to parties at night and like uh then i found uh, you told me like a year or two ago that you were just going to the oakwoods yeah communal office and sitting there yeah i was i would do that <laughs> i would use their communal office and then i would use their gym because i had like a car that still got me into the oakwoods so i would like legit spend 45 minutes driving to like an office where I had nothing to do yeah really, it's still a good idea out. to move though and get out of the house yeah, it worked out okay but I think that's also interesting you know I talked to our friend Gareth Reynolds a little while ago and this is kind of what we talked about this period and from my perspective he was like you know when we were like 24 like he and uh, our other friend Evan had like a Comedy Central pilot and I was hmm. like man he's got everything going and the whole time we're talking about him just being like I was like I couldn't get fucking anything to go like, I had this pilot, but I had no money, and I was, like, having to borrow money from people and, like, sleep on couches, and that's, like, I thought, like, you had shit going on, like, because you were doing shows all the time, you were doing a Kinkus Cohen, you were going to Hotel doing, Cafe. I was doing some shows around L.A., <clears throat> but those were few and far between. Yeah, but it was still, like, you had, like, an outlet. I was just, like, going to shitty commercial auditions. I was, like, writing for papers, which was newspapers and magazines, which was fun. Um, it made me feel like I was fancy, even though I paid garbage money. And yeah, but you got to go to all those fancy parties and stuff. That felt validating in some capacity, even though it wasn't fulfilling. It was like eating cotton candy. Hmm. I think when I think about that period, though, now I just, um, I just see myself being depressed. I went on. Here's my here's my good uh, tough stuff. I, all right. I'm on, uh, I started using Prozac like a little over a year ago and that's been pretty life changing and I just, I just keep thinking about like, oh, what would certain parts of my life have been like if I was medicated then or something because right. like I was just really, I was just truly, I mean I've been, I've had like a low grade depression most of my life I've realized and um, that period was just so there was nothing like ground to me. I was out of school, mm -hmm. didn't like I had this job that was like not really a full time job, and um, I don't know. It was just like there was nothing to like pull me up at all, and I just, I just kept feeling like I mean I feel like a lot of times in my life that, that 
this depression is always like, well, I'm just going to get through this. It'll be another couple of weeks and then right. I'll feel better or something. But then it sort of never really seems to clear all the way. It's like, uh, it's like freeway traffic. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit, it's the, the, the finish line just keeps on moving because that's not the way life works. You right. don't like get to one thing and then you're happy because it always, by and large, maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, not the healthiest thing to do, but like you achieve one thing and then you want more things. Yeah. Even if it's like a, even if it's like, I feel more calm. I want to feel this way all the time. Or, you know, even if it's like a positive thing, it's just like the the it doesn't it doesn't and there's not, it's not binary. Yeah, and I feel like is that just because of movies and TV stuff and like fade, you get your fade to black and then that's it. We, we won the hockey game, fade to mm-hmm. black, mm-hmm. and then um, I don't know. I'm still struggling with that stuff sometimes. Of like. I've been working on this idea that, like, no moment of the day is any more important than any other moment of the day. Or a shorter way is every moment is important. Sure. And, I mean, that's sort of obvious, but I've sort of just been, like, um, I don't know, I feel like there's a real, like, anticipation culture all the time now. And it's like, you know, the Super Bowl's over, and that night ESPN's talking about who can we expect to see in the Super Bowl the next year. And, like, it's just kind of exhausting and never-ending. And, um... I definitely spend a lot of time like thinking about it, especially because I'm just, I mean, I know what I'm doing five, six months from now just because my schedule is scheduled out. out. It has to be planned out, so I, it makes me very, like, it's hard to, like, kind of just stay in the moment as opposed to going. Well, that's interesting because my reaction when you say no no moment is more important than any other moment, and, and my immediate reaction is, like, uh, one of anxiety. I'm like, oh, fuck, well, I'm wasting moments. <laughs> They're all important. Right. I'm wasting them. As opposed to, like, I think as I've gotten older, I've realized I've been, like, a little bit, learned how to be more patient, more kind, and that, like, doesn't, some days can be, like, today I did nothing. Right. I got pink eye. No big deal, guys. Uh, are you jealous? Uh, you go to one face farting party, and uh, then you get pink eye. I've not <laughs> had since I was, face farting I did too. I did too. They were fun. No, but I, it's the first time I've had it since I was eight years old, so I got that and uh, used it as an excuse to do dick all today. Did nothing. Yeah. And I feel okay about it. I got a little work done, so that felt okay. I've just, I've been trying to get away from the word I did nothing, like the phrase I did nothing. I've been trying to say, sure. I'm recuperating, it's mm-hmm. a recovery day, yeah. and I've been like getting good at doing those, because I never was good at those at all. And uh, You become a better PR person for yourself. Yes. You're like learning how to spin your life. I spin it. Yeah. What'd you do today? I did tons. Did tons. Stayed on the couch for it. Though. I just really needed to relax. It's really burned out. Yeah. Just had to really recuperate while we're while we're talking right now. I'm recuperating. That's good. It shows. No, but I, I do think there's been like there's like some of that spin helps me make more time to do that stuff because I'm like I can't do nothing tomorrow. It's not acceptable. Right. And instead, I'll be like, I need to make a day for me to just relax because I just get sick otherwise. I'm, I'm traveling so much and stuff. I just uh, I don't know. I still working on that. I guess. Well, I think when I was. Um it's interesting, when I was younger, I feel like, like now, I feel like every so often, I'm fortunate enough to, um, been lucky enough in my career to, I, I have, I have disposable income now, to some degree. So like, every so often, when it gets stressed out, like it's nice to go away for a weekend, even if it's just like a two hour drive. Right. You know, you go someplace, stay for a night, and you come home, come home and somehow feel like super recharged, at least I do. Uh, it's like a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I didn't do that, and because I was always here, and because I didn't really have a job, and 
I felt like I was working all the time because I didn't have the structured job. So right. like I always had to do things. So I was like never had the patience or like or like the wherewithal to be like, oh, it's cool to take a day off. So like I would always be like self critical. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as I got older, I got better at doing that, like doing what you're talking about, like sitting on the couch, like cause otherwise I'm just gonna get fucking sick or I'm just gonna be miserable. Right. Yeah, I, I feel like it's um, learning. I, I don't know. For me, it's about recognizing. Like, everyone knows that moment where you f- are starting to feel worn down, and like I used to just push through that more, and now I, I really try and shut everything down. Then, and um, but yeah, even like what you're saying of like just that's one thing I really do love about getting to travel so much for my job and stuff is just um, it makes you appreciate. It gives you so much perspective on stuff. Even like you're saying, where you live somewhere, you go away for two two hours you come you know two hour trip you come back just uh every time i come back to new york i'm like i see new buildings that mm-hmm. are right next to my my building and i'm like is that new or something <laughs> or like uh, do they take scaffolding off of that well that's also a huge thing you take sta- scaffolding but off i don't the think they did i think it was just i just don't look down that street that much or something so yeah. it keeps things kind of fresh for me um so it's like a recharge in that way, I guess. Well, let me ask you, because uh, you said that you've been dealing with it for a while, but only in the last year, have you like <clears throat> had gone into medication, gone into Prozac? Mm-hmm. What was the thing that was kind of like pushed you over into that place that feels like, you know, this is diminishing returns, I need to try something, or what got you to that place, if it's been kind of there for a long time? Um, yeah, I mean, I remember being depressed when I was like 10, which makes me sad for my my ten year old self. It does. I remember feeling that way too. But I think it's also like so much growing up because you're feeling things for the first time. You have no. There's no map. I guess so. It just. Um, I just like couldn't really be happy. Okay. And uh, I remember a friend of mine said that 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 felt felt um, familiar to me. It was like. It just seems like it's so much easier for some people to be happy happier than others. And you know, I felt like. It's just been a thing I've had to struggle with a lot of times and I've had to, you know, then I've sort of, I'll go in the spiral of like, why am I not happy now? And then I'll get upset because I'm not feeling happy or not being able to appreciate myself. And also like what I've come to realize was like depression for me wasn't just like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. It was also like this constant track going in my head of like, you're worthless, you don't, you know, why are you going to try and do this stuff? It's going to suck, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like, sort of battling against that all the time is exhausting. It is exhausting. That specific reason, I think, is for a very long time why I stopped, like, smoking pot. (laughs) Because, especially sativa. That's the head high. high. Yeah. Uh, Anytime I'd smoke that, I would just be, like, have this inner monologue of, like, just be like, shut up. What you said is stupid. Shut up. Shut up. It was like a little bit like when Simpsons, when Homer, you and his head, and he's like, that's it. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my inner mom. Like, well, like, you're not helping me at all. <laughs> and I feel like I had to stop that because it was like showing me a side of myself that it clearly exists, but it was like I was so much more conscious of it. In yeah. That state. I actually have a similar thing with that when I, uh, when I eat weed. I eat it mm-hmm. and don't smoke it. It doesn't sound cool, though, to say I eat weed. It's you not a great weed? phrase. Cool. The, well, smoke know. weed doesn't sound great either. That sounds cool, man. I sm- you smoke? Yeah. Well, when you say it that way, you gotta hey, sell you it. you eat? Yeah, I eat. <laughs> you eat weed, bro? I consume weed. Oh, that's better. Anyway. That sounds more McConaughey as. I kind of got into <laughs> I've gotten into it more lately, and I, I noticed that stuff too of like the self critical stuff, or just what I mainly find is like 
it just slows everything down on my whole thinking process and I get outside of it a little bit so I can once I kind of for me learned like oh I can see that track going and I can sort of just like in slow motion just see it and then like kind of push it away right like it doesn't always work but I I can actually notice for me like a big way I started enjoying uh, consuming weed Mm -hmm, was mm -hmm. uh, was just being like oh all the things I'm noticing are always going on normally I'm just noticing them in a different way now and so it was actually sort of informing to me to be like oh this this thing's going all the time saying like that you're dumb and blah 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 and I just got I was doing a lot of therapy and um, and that's been like massively helpful just talk therapy and kind of you know recognizing patterns and just understanding myself as I've gotten older and I still felt like as much as I was doing and understanding all this stuff I was still just like um, all over the place you know just right. mentally I just felt like un- the way I, best way I can describe it is now being on Prozac I feel like I get up and I have an even chance of however the day is going to go but some right. days I'd wake up depressed and just feel like like well this is day's shot like mm-hmm. I'm, or like something would happen in the middle of the day and I would just get off the rails and I'm just not going to get it back and but it's, it's like starting your previously it felt like starting your day with like well I already have one hand tied behind my back yes exactly. I'm already at disadvantage now like at least I got both my hands I got both hands shit and may I happen up, but I get up excited in the morning and I'm like ready to go and that's like sort of just sets the tone for the day and, and that stuff's also I think a little bit of a snowball effect where the longer I live like that the more I get used to doing that and understanding how to do it but I mean sort of to answer your question it was just there was a lot of stuff going on but I don't know I was just it was having a huge effect on my relationships and I just was having a hard time with wanting to go places or I'd do this thing where like whenever I'd go on vacations or trips with anybody I would just I'd go on the trip and have a good time and or like maybe not have a good time and then leave and then the whole trip home think about like all the times I'd embarrassed myself or how everyone didn't like me there or um, that sounds healthy it was draining yeah um see i i don't i don't think i do that as much but i find whenever i'm on a trip or like in whenever i can actually you know it's difficult to try to be present uh i try to do that but like i find like whenever i'm on a trip or whenever i'm in a good moment if i'm like present for a moment then i'm like oh it's halfway over or oh i'm already nostalgic for this thing that's already fleeting yeah, and just like trying to let go of that. Like I was talking to our friend Jen, and she said when she got to the, her hotel for her honeymoon, she started crying because she realized she was going to have to leave. Yeah, well, I think that's also like I I felt very sad uh, after post wedding and hun- little mini honeymoon. Thing. Oh yeah, but that, I think that's so much like that's a wedding postpartum. Yeah, you're just building up. You spend so much time building up to something that's seven hours. Really, it's also there's something very powerful about like everyone you know is with you and then you go from that to like total isolation with just one other person yeah it's a person like, you don't even like that much it's exactly it's a huge it's just like a, it's like i have to imagine they did that for a reason back in the day i guess the original reason was just like okay now go make kids yes but you get to fuck now enjoy yeah, yeah. but it's like it's a real mind fuck to go from like everyone i know and love and care about is here with me to everybody's gone yeah and I'm stuck in this beautiful hotel somewhere. Yeah. And trying to think about all the th- all the people, all the times you embarrassed yourself. Yes, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just it was 
it just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere or getting as far as I wanted to be. And it just felt like it was just taking a toll on me professionally and certainly in my, in my marriage. And just, it was exhausting and I was just tired of it. I was tired of not being able to kind of get a grip on stuff. And like working on my albums was really frustrating and tiring. And I finished, I guess, the last album. And I just felt like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's just so exhausting. And it's so, it takes so much out of me. And like right. I kind of just, I feel everything so much. And, and I really struggled, though, as an artist and stuff, worried about like, well, I don't want to go on medication and lose my edge and lose right. who I am. But for me, it didn't, didn't feel like that at all. It felt like, like I, when I started, I felt like oh, I haven't forgot. I don't, I don't think I've been happy like this since I was like fifteen or something. Like, yeah, it felt like accessing parts of joy that I forgot about, and it actually made me more creative as a result. Like, right. I feel like there's this this uh, you know misconception that oh, when you're happy, then you're not going to want to do anything. You're not going to be able to you know. I'm a painter, and I'm a happy painter. I'm not going to paint anymore. No, it's like for me, actually, when I was too depressed, I could never work anyway. Well, I think that's, uh, you have a lyric on your songs, like, trying to <coughs> go home and make something, I'm, I'm misquoting. You're nailing it. Am I nailing it? I'm doing my dad version of your lyrics? Um, I'm not sure which song you're talking uh, about. Go home and try to make, like, after a breakup and go home and try to make something, write about it. I don't know. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad we're both. Are you sure it's me and not Jason Mraz? It... Is Philip Phillips? That's oh, what it is. Okay, that's gotcha. what it is. Uh, no, but anyways, the point of that being is, I feel like there is like merit to like, yeah, you can be really productive, like writing about a breakup or writing about something. But I think that is, for me, I've recognized the time when I'm not productive is when I'm just in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like when you're like really sad, I can be productive because it just feels like you're an exposed nerve, mm -hmm. and that's like that energy has to go somewhere. Uh, or when you're just like feeling really good, or at least just feeling things that yes. inter in between for me is like the, is depression is like when I'm not really excited or, uh, um, not looking forward to anything like that's, yeah. that's the time where I'm just like, everything is just kind of a slog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's possible to create then and do stuff then, but I don't, I don't edit very well then you don't like, it's right. like there's not really a sense of reality sometimes in that stuff. And I was just finding more and more that was becoming my reality of just, there was a lot of that stuff. Like I said, like I would just start the day and then something would happen either between like a work thing or something. And I would just go off the rails and just, it was just really hard to like get a hold of myself again. Right. And I mean, that's a misconception I think with a lot of my songs is that, I make feel good music, you know, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of the lyrics are really me trying hard to sort of find a silver lining, making sense of things and trying to put on a happy face. But a lot of the lyrics like individually are actually, I, I listen back to them now and I'm like, Oh, that sounds pretty depressed. I mean, I start off the song best days with, I get myself up every day to fight this woe is me demeanor. Um, uh -huh. I mean, that sounds pretty much like depression yeah it does but it's also interesting because it also to me it feels like what we're talking about like kind of looking a little bit nostalgically back at those days mm. like it sounds like oh man what what dummies we were <laughs> but also like it was so real at 
at the time. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, uh, I do think the songs are feel good, but I think they're, I, I sort of, I make peace with things that I go through by making the songs. And, and um... do you find yourself, um, <clears throat> or did you, at, in the time before you started uh, getting Prozac, did you find, would you be critical that you're like, why can't I just have the muster myself out of this? Yes, definitely. And I, I think that's sort of why I wanted to talk about it today and everything. I just think there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of stigma attached to saying you're depressed or to being on medication. I mean, I really, I I got a prescription written for myself a couple <clears throat> different times for Prozac or whatever one it was. I didn't, I would get to that point and then I wouldn't fill it. And I'd be like, I can do this. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You can beat this. It's your, you know... That was where the word failure felt like it came up for me. It was right. like, if taking this is failing and like giving up. So, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there was a lot of times like, yeah, you should be able to beat this. Why can't you just be happy? Yeah, it's hard not to be hard on yourself. I remember my dad for a period, uh, he told me that <laughs> when I was younger, he would literally start every day by jumping out of bed. Because like, he's like, this is the way I jumpstart my day. Uh, and it was like a thing, like it was like, you know, he took this like colloquial expression and like actually put it into practice and would jump out of bed. And he did that until he read that sometimes it's not good to like, it could give your heart a start. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to give myself a heart attack. So he stopped doing it. Gotcha. But it was like, I had like in the back of my head, like sometimes that like, well, yeah, they just have to do those things and life will be okay. If I like, if I do all, if I jump, literally jump out of bed then, you know, I'll give myself the kickstart to, like, the momentum to carry through all the other things that are hard. Right. And I would just, like, be critical about, like, not being able to sometimes. Like, what the fuck? Why can't, why can't I stop this? Yeah, and that sort of goes back to what we were saying in the beginning, even, of just, like, sometimes magical thinking is not enough for everything. Even though I have the best intentions of doing something or I start wanting to be happy or going through it, it doesn't always work that way. And that's a, a big thing I've gotten from being happier and from a lot of therapy stuff is being able to apologize to people and to understand that I'm not perfect, but it's more about like how do I respond to when I make mistakes or when things aren't going the way I want them to go. I mean, it's easy to be in a good mood when everything's perfect, but mm -hmm. then like, and especially being on tour, I mean, it's insane. Live music, I don't know how they came up with it because it's like, <laughs> it's by definition, a flawed experiment from the beginning. Let's try to recreate an album that we made in a perfectly sound-engineered right. studio, and let's put it in Madison Square Garden, which is made for basketball. Um, uh huh. But, but they also play some pretty awesome like pump-up tunes while you're there for basketball. Yeah, that's fun too. But yeah. it's so it's not. I mean, like touring is not about what's going to go wrong. It's when will it go wrong. Right. So it's like every something goes wrong all the time, and. To me, it's like, how do I, especially being like the leader of my band and having a staff out with me and people who are working on my behalf, how do I set the tone of, you know, how we're going to act and how we're going to respond to stuff like that? And um, it feels better to be able to see that. Or if I have a bad moment, to be able to take a step back and understand that's not, you know, I'm not a bad person. It's just, uh, you know, it was an off moment or something. Right. And that's, you know... To me, not just getting stuck in quicksand, being able to sort right. of stay above it. Well, I think what you're talking about so much, uh, getting the prescription and then never not filling it. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's hard to ask for help. 
I think is a big thing, right? Yeah. Because I remember when I was sick, I tried to because I found that like a lot of times with my stomach, like stress was a huge catalyst. I'd be okay and then like be stressed about something and then would take like a pretty soon, oh, shit and blood again. Um, so like I tried to get to a place where I got a, a prescription for Ativan, like trying to like, okay, maybe if I can just nullify these moments when I'm feeling stress, maybe that'll help things. But then when I went to see like a psychiatrist, I remember just like feeling like I had to explain it. Like I had to be like, well, you know, it's just cause like it's a sick thing. And this is, it was just like doing so much qualifying right? and just not allowing myself to be like, I am vulnerable and something's wrong and maybe this will help. Stress. I've yet to hear something that stress is good for. I guess maybe um, uh, a fight, maybe. Yeah, like if you're actually in a fight. Yeah, but then that's, that's adrenaline, adrenaline the same yeah. as stress. No, I guess not. Um, yeah, because I have different stuff. Of that, but the other thing I think is when you get depressed is the time that you need people the most, and sort of though there's like a conception of like a misconception. I think of like when you're depressed, go off on your own, figure it out, work it out on your own. Come back to the group when you're in a good mood, because like we don't want you bringing us down. Mm-hmm. But that you're can, not gonna play nice. Yeah, but that can be really damaging. And, and yes, like it's not fun to be around somebody who's depressed. But I just think that can be really isolating, and it was isolating and damaging for me. Of like, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna be in a good mood. I just want to be alone, and that sort of just continues that feeling then of feeling lonely and feeling right. no good. It's like almost a way of punishing yourself. Yeah, and I mean to be clear. For people listening, like I, for me, medication has been really, like truly life changing for me. I would say it's just had a lot of different aspects. I can't tell you whether or not it's good for you or not, but for sure. But I do believe that everybody could benefit from some talk therapy, which is just sort of learning about where you came from and who you are. And that doesn't even have to be a, a doctor. You can find therapists that are licensed social workers, and um, that stuff is invaluable and I've just learned so much about who I am and where I came from and where I'm going and my patterns and yeah I think that's an interesting thing I, I never really did therapy until I started getting sick and uh, I went at the the behest of, of uh, our friend Lauren my ex and she's like you're going through a lot you should talk to somebody <clears throat> and I remember like one of the first couple of sessions talking about like how I would get emotional and like going to these like kind of crying jacks my body was so exhausted and he just asked the question, like, well, next time that happens, like, stop and consider why. And I, it was like, the, it was such an epiphany. I was like, wow, never thought to ask why this is. And it's the most base question. Yeah. But, like, that's the kind of thing that you don't have reflected when you talk to, like, friends because you're, you're, you're not just as open or as available. Yeah, and therapy, <clears throat> to me, is like learning a language because... And I feel now that I'm fluent in understanding those things and it can spot it with other people. You start to understand why people act certain ways. Um, but yeah, you have to, like, it starts slowly in understanding yourself and why you might do things that have never even occurred to you. Like, oh, that's why I put my hand through a wall mm-hmm. every time Tom Brady scores a touchdown. Because I want he, to fuck him. Yeah. For me, it's he's my biological father. Oh, yeah, no, for me, it's just butt stuff. <laughs> I mean, that guy got a butt on his chin <laughs> everything about him says fuck me all right he's handsome um <laughs> uh, but i don't know i just so for me i it's not about medication necessarily but i just think if you're if you're listening and you are you know feeling depressed ever i think it's worth finding someone to talk to because 
having a, an outside source who's not your friend, like you were saying, can really be, um, it's just, it's been really helpful for me. Yeah. Well, I think it's also helpful to look at it as try to, I mean, and look, I'm not great at this, but like try to look at it at a pragmatic standpoint, like not that this is inherently something wrong, that uh, this is just a thing that I don't necessarily love. So let's try to f- do something about it. Right. As opposed to just being judgmental and like wanting to shield that away. Because vulnerability is... I think that's the thing I've like learned best at and just getting older is just learning to be more vulnerable and that that's okay. Yeah. It's necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh... Let me ask you about going back, looking back at this period now, this period when you were Eeyore, and we were all trying to uh, um, use the computer, and also uh, Eric and I would three or four times a week go out and play basketball with our friend Adam Oler, right in the middle of the day, at least for me, it was right in the middle of the day, and it was great if we could make it last like three hours. Yeah, that was the most fun I was having at that time. It was the most fun I was having, and also like it ate up so much day. It ate up a ton of time, and it was the only exercise I was getting, yep. and it was free. It was free. And we were playing with, I've, I think every single person we played with I've seen in a commercial at this point. They oh, were all sure. struggling actors, and they've all... Been in different stuff now. But I even hated playing with other people because they were always better. I'm terrible. Yeah. But I played with the two of you guys. Like, you're not great. You're probably you're better than me. But I felt like, okay, this is... I don't feel like I'm fucking up anybody's game here. No, that was the best, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was super fun. Well, that was... I guess I was just going to ask, like, going back to that period when we were just, like, trying to uh, figure out how to be adult people. Uh, is there something about it, like, that you say, oh, this was... This was... Even though I was in this kind of terrible period where I felt like I was... Uh, a donkey with a pinned on tail. Uh, what was like the levity in that? Where was the the kind of I could step outside myself and be like, "Well, this is a ridiculous thing." Well, we had game nights pretty often. Sure, that were pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I think there was just you know the downside was there was a lot of frustration of not being able to get where we all wanted to go. But I think thinking back on it now, it's like it was just because everyone was ambitious. And excited, and we'd all come out of school and and made all this fun stuff together in school, and it was just like we had something we wanted to say and do, right. and um, yeah, the frustration. I remember talking to to Dan Levy a lot about that. A lot, like which is which is harder, like knowing exactly what you want to do and not being able to do it, or having no idea what you want to do. I think they're harder for different reasons. I think the the former is harder in the beginning. And the latter, the older you get, because I feel like I have some friends now who are just finally like being like, I, that was, you know, in the 20s, it was less pronounced. And now as I'm getting older, it's like, I'm not quite sure what my vocation is. Right. Do I just do something that's like fine? Or do I really like, do I keep on looking? Because I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not building. I'm not get, gaining momentum because I haven't found my thing yet. Right. So do I just choose the a thing that's in front of me or do I keep on looking at what point do I pull the ripcord I mean I think all of that stuff is I've been on the lookout for that of when do things feel normal or like too easy and how do you how do you pivot to make it more challenging and exciting because right. you know I mean I think that's definitely our parents generation of I worked 50 years at my desk job and I just don't think that's something that our generation wants yeah or should do really like I mean to me it's sort of exciting to see where we're going to go but that was sort of, to me, I told my sister this when she graduated school, because I was like, 
just like take a minute to figure out who you are mm-hmm. and then you'll figure out from there what you want to do because I knew people that forced themselves quickly into like who they thought they should be or what they should be doing and that yeah. stuff kind of petered out a few years later or something and they sort of restarted so yeah I remember always kind of thinking like grad school was and grad school can be a great thing but I just like I remember having so many friends who were like oh you're going to grad school oof <laughs> you really don't know what's happening you're just like really not comfortable in what you're sitting in like well I guess I'll try grad school and look education's always great but it being like huh okay because there's yeah. moments where I was like maybe I should go to you know I have a friend who's like the head of this writing program in Old Dominion <laughs> I could go there. That would be cool. Live in a small Virginian town for a while. I thought about business school. Oh, man. Well, because some guy who was in business school told me, he's like, you could get in super easy because they're always looking for diversity and they'd love to have a musician as sure. part of the thing. And I was like, yeah, I should do that. And I was like, what am I talking about? Yeah. Like, Getting an MBA? Well, it was kind of fun, though, because I knew it was like adult college because these people all show up and like, my friend went to Duke Business School and like everyone showed up and it was like college so they all had money mm-hmm. and unlimited you know resources and time and uh, you'd study or whatever and then you'd party yeah but it wasn't like the same I mean I didn't do it but I can't imagine it's like as frenetic because it's not like oh and then I woke up in a ditch uh, some of them were doing that okay so well good for that it sounded pretty crazy yeah well alright maybe we should have gone to grad school it's not too late we can still go I may yeah there's always time for that. <laughs> um, do you ever feel like, oh, I know, I, I was going to ask you a question and I got sidetracked thinking about this period, uh, similar to us playing basketball and uh, just the desperation of like why it was fun, but it was like also felt like when there was days that we couldn't do it, I was like, ah, what do I do? Um, you worked at, was it Jones on 3rd? Jones on 3rd. I remember you getting super sick once. Yeah. By eating, I want to say, like a two-day-old sandwich? No, it wasn't that old, actually. So I'd, <laughs> I'd taken like a month. I That was my last uh, sort of like day job I had. And uh, I was working at Jones on 3rd, which is kind of like a, a fun little like eatery, fancy shop. It's basically shop. what uh, Meryl Streep runs in. It's complicated. They based it on that, Yeah, actually, yeah it feels yeah. that way. So it's like a nice little cutesy shop. And I was like working behind the counter running the register and stuff and I asked for a month off so I could go and do a bunch of shows like college and stuff and they weren't happy about it but they're like okay fine so I took the month off and my first day back I came back and I'm working I'm getting back into my groove and people are ordering sandwiches for lunch and it's like you know it's really busy and there's like this one sandwich that kind of gets left behind then nobody picks it up during the lunch shift and I'm like huh tuna salad all right I can eat that (laughs) I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to eat it now, but like, if it's still there by the end of my shift tonight, then I'll eat it for dinner. So, you know, like I just left it sitting there all afternoon, mm-hmm. um, ate it, and then uh, next morning woke up, just terrible food poisoning. And mm-hmm. I was always like, I never understood what people knew what got them the food poisoning. But You it's always like, somehow know. It's just like a vision that comes to yeah. you. Well, it's like the thing that makes you most want to throw up if you think about eating it again. Yeah, that'll do it. So I woke up and I was terribly sick and I called back into Jones on 3rd and I was like, I know I just took a month off and then came back for one day, but I can't come in today. <laughs> I'm sick. And they're like, maybe you should just not come in anymore. Well, that's nice of them. It was from their food, yeah. which is very delicious. And uh, I'm very happy that nobody recognizes me when I go back there now. But yeah. go to Jones on 3rd. There's a, there's a valley location. Oh, it's a great. It's great. It's delightful. Um, I guess last question would be just... Because this is something that people ask me quite a bit. When I finally made the decision to have the surgery and my colon removed, 
uh, people ask like do you ever wish you did earlier and for me it's different because mm. I, like two or three years old, earlier my my um, doctor was like you should get you should think about the surgery and like fuck you removing a major organ get the fuck out of here that's crazy that's what you're saying is bonkers um, but then I finally got to a place where I'd ex- I exacerbated I used every, every option I'd use and I was like so physically exhausted and it had exhausted all my options that I was like finally like this is what makes sense mm-hmm. and I feel like if I would um, had it done it earlier there always been like a, a moment in my mind of being like well what if I would have tried that one thing the one right. thing that I didn't try um, <clears throat> all that is a long way to say do you feel like you wish you would have started doing this earlier being more amenable to it earlier I, I think about it I, I'd sort of to me, the process is the process, so obviously I can't change it. But I think about like I was gonna take it, start taking it before my my wedding, mm-hmm. which which caused me a lot of anxiety that day. And uh, you know, I was gonna take it in college. I just wonder. I just think I could have saved myself some suffering, but you know, I've I've learned a lot of things from it, and I've understood it, and I have some depth, I think, from that stuff. But. Um, I mean, yeah, I probably wish I could have tried it before, but I didn't. Right. And I'm not, like, regretting that I didn't, but it just, uh, I think it's been pretty, it's it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I started when I did. Same. <laughs> I don't think I was cognizant of it, but it seems great. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Love you. Let's go get a uh, tuna sandwich, shall we? All right. I love you too, bud. <laughs> What a delightful guy he is. Eric Hutchinson, everybody. Round of applause. There you go. I left a pause so you could actually do that. Uh, Thanks so much to Eric for coming out and chatting with us. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I had a good time. Uh, If you want to hear more of what Eric's up to, you can check out his website, erichutchinson.com. You can also find him on Twitter, at Eric Hutchinson. Um, as for us, you can find us on Twitter, too, at Terribly underscore funny. We also have a Gmail. That's fun, right? That's what the cool kids got. Uh, terribly funny podcast at Gmail. Drop us a line. Tell us if you like the show. Tell if you don't like the show. Tell us whatever. Just say hi. We're around, you know? We're, we don't have much to do. Um, when I say we, I mean me. I got a lot of lot of free time, a lot of downtime, so send me an email. Uh, if you also feel like you can go to our iTunes page and, you know, uh, rate us or leave a comment. Those things help, I think. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm doing here, guys. I think that should be evident by now. Uh, the one thing I do know is that I am internally, uh, uh, eternally grateful to you for listening. It means a lot to me. Thanks so much. You guys are great. Um, that's it. Love you. <laughs>